Harold Selah, in his devotional book entitled Tomorrow Starts Today, mentions the fact that Albert Einstein, that great scholar from yesteryear, not only reflected on the theory of relativity, but on the meaning of life itself. You see, Einstein believed that there was a God, but he believed that God was unknowable. So I read that, I thought, how sad that that is his belief, that God is unknowable. Selah went on to write about three different ways where people treat God, three different ways that people treat God. He said that some simply deny God. They deny that, uh, that there is a God. They don't believe or they say they don't believe that there is a being, a supreme being called God. He said others, they simply ignore God. Uh, they don't go as far as saying that there is no God. They just simply live their life ignoring Him, uh, which he says is the highest form of insult. Then he said there's a third way that people treat God, and that is some adore Him. They fall on their knees and worship Him and adore Him as God Himself. And as I read his words, I was struck with the fact that that's uh, a lot of how things go at Christmas time, how people treat Jesus at Christmas time, some people deny Jesus. They deny that Jesus was God come in the flesh to be the savior of the world. And so they deny him and some of them deny him passively. They just don't have anything to say. And some deny him very aggressively. They don't wish them a Merry Christmas. Don't talk to, about Jesus to them. They just deny him. And then I'd say others, perhaps most simply ignore the Lord Jesus um, they have no problem if that's your thing, if you want to do that. But for many of them, they try to have basically mostly a secular Christ-free Christmas, or at least as little Jesus as possible. Now, of course, there's, there's Santa and Frosty and Rudolph and all those characters, but no Jesus, please. We're, we're not interested in Jesus. And then thankfully, there are those in the third group, the third category, those who adore Him. And uh, as we come today, we realize that Christmas is about Jesus, right? I mean, that's who we're celebrating. As the children just reminded us, we're celebrating His birth, the incarnation. Jesus, who is God, became flesh without ceasing to be God. But as you think about those three different groups of people, and I don't want you to answer out loud, but which category do you fall into? I doubt there are many that would consider themselves in the first group, that is denying God, because you're here today. But if you are in that category, if you are in that group, we're glad that you're here. And we're thankful that you're here. And we're trusting that and praying that you would come to meet God before the conclusion of this service. But most people would fall in categories or groups two or three. There are those who would say, listen, I adore the Lord Jesus. Christmas is all about Him. But sad to say, there are many who might say, you know what, I fall in category and group two. I don't mean to ignore Jesus. I don't mean to kind of push him to the side. But Christmas is busy and the schedule's full and we're rushing about. And, and we don't mean to, but we end up ignoring the very one that we're celebrating. Well, if that's the case, I think today's Christmas carol that we're going to study and scripture we're going to look at will help us with that. It reminds us of what Christmas is all about. It reminds us of what we're supposed to be doing at Christmas time. And so if you take your Bible, please, today, or the one in the pew rack in front of you, and turn to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 2. 
And if you'd like a little something different today, you can also grab a hymnal and turn to number 89. The last several weeks we've been studying Christmas carols and using Christmas carols to drive us to the Scripture and be reminded of some truth, reminded of some things. And the carols are familiar, but they're so loaded with, with the truth of the Word of God. And today's carol is the one, O come all ye faithful. So far we've studied, come thy long expected Jesus, the little town of Bethlehem. And then last week we looked at silent night. But today, here we are, Christmas Sunday, we study and think about, O come all ye faithful. Familiar hymn to many. According to Kenneth Osbeck, for many years this was known simply as an anonymous Latin hymn. But recent research has revealed manuscripts that indicate it was written in 1744 by an English layman named John Wade. And he set it to music much like what we use today. It was first published in 1751, a long time ago, and we're still singing it today. In fact, it was about a hundred years later that the carol was translated to its present English form, which we sing today by an Anglican minister named Frederick Oakley for use with this congregation. And I'm grateful that uh, that minister translated it for his congregation so we could use it in our congregation. As you look at the hymn in our Baptist hymnal, you'll notice we have three verses there of O Come All You Faithful. And so we sing three verses and we sing the chorus or the refrain three times. And as we sing that refrain three times, we sing one phrase nine times. Do you notice it there? It's the phrase, O come, let us adore Him. We sing it three times each time in the chorus. O come, let us adore Him. O come, let us adore Him. O come, let us adore Him, Christ the Lord. And beloved, that's what Christmas is all about. That's why we're here today. We're here to adore Him. Not only at Christmas time, but each time that we gather here in in corporate worship, this is about adoring and worshiping the Lord. So we're here today to adore Him. We're here today to worship Him. Now keep your hymnal open if you would, number 89. But look now in Matthew chapter 2. And we're going to begin reading at verse 1. In Matthew chapter 2, verse 1, it says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. Verse 5 says, So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when, they had, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child, and when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. When they heard the king, they departed. And behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. 
When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, beloved, there is a lot that we do not know about these wise men. The scripture is silent concerning them in many, many areas. We're not given a lot of details about them personally. But one thing is abundantly clear as it's recorded here in God's word as we read this passage. And that is the motive of the wise men, their motive. Did you notice as we read the passage, verse 2, where it says, Where is he who is born king of the Jews? We have seen his star in the east and have come to, what's the next part? Worship him. And then it says, once they find him in verse 11, when they come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and what? Worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures, presented to him the gold, the frankincense and myrrh. Their whole goal for this extended trip was simple. It was to worship Jesus. They made no bones about it. They were clear to Herod. Hey, we're here to worship Jesus. As we read the passage, it's clear to us today. They were there to worship Jesus. Now, by the time that they arrived, Jesus was no longer a baby in a manger. Verse 11 talks about the house where Jesus was. It also calls Jesus the young child. Jesus may have been upwards to two years old at this time, because if you keep reading in the passage, verse 16 talks about Herod slaying all the children two years old and younger. Now, can you imagine this scene? Here you have toddler Jesus. There he is, maybe upwards to two years old. He's there in a house with Mary, his mother. And here come these wise men in and they fall down before this toddler. And they worship Him. And they present to Him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, beloved, I want you to notice carefully, they did not worship His mother, Mary. It says very clearly in that passage that they worshiped Him. We thank God for the Virgin Mary. We praise the Lord for her testimony and how God used her. But we do not worship her. In fact, we find here, it's very clear, it says they worship Him. Now the version of, oh, come all you faithful that we sing here, uh, we have three verses. The one that I studied this past week actually has six verses. The second verse went like this. True God of true God, light from light eternal. Lo, He shuns not the virgin's womb. Son of the Father, begotten, not created. Oh, come, let us adore Him. Oh, come, let us adore Him. Oh, come, let us adore Him. Christ the Lord. Oh, what what rich truth there. That He is the true God of true God, the Son of the Father, begotten, not created, born of a virgin. And we find that as we look at the carol and we look at the story of the wise men, they did exactly what it talks about in the carol. In fact, the carol says what? Oh, come all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. Would you look again at verse 10 of Matthew 2? It says, when they saw the star, they did what? 
They rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. They had come to the destination in this journey. In fact, the song goes on to say, O come ye, O come ye to Bethlehem, come and behold him. Born the king of angels. Look at verse 11 of Matthew 2. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother. They came and beheld him. Come and behold him. Born the king of angels. And they fell down and worshipped him. And then they presented three gifts to him. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now some Bible scholars see great significance attached to these gifts. They say that the gold is a symbol of the deity and glory of the Lord Jesus. They said the frankincense, which is an ointment or perfume, symbolized his sinless perfection. And the myrrh was actually a bitter herb. And it looked forward to the suffering that he was going to endure upon the cross for you and for me. Now, beloved, did the wise men know this as they brought these gifts? Were they thinking these things? I'm giving gold and I'm giving Myrrh, and I'm giving all these things with these meanings. I don't know, but I don't think so. I believe they were just simply bringing gifts fit for a king. And they presented these gifts to the toddler Jesus. And they brought the very best that they had. And they freely gave it to him. And they joyously gave it. But don't miss this, beloved, as you study this passage. Before they gave their gifts, they gave themselves. Before they gave their gifts, they gave themselves. Look again at verse 11, if you will. It says there, they fell down and worshipped Him. And then it says what? They opened their treasures and presented their gifts. So before they gave their gifts, they gave themselves. The Apostle Paul writing much later about the churches in Macedonia and his letter to the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 5, says this, And not only as we had hoped, But they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. Talking about the churches in Macedonia at that time. They gave themselves to the Lord and then they gave themselves to us by the will of God. In other words, what Paul was saying is, you see, once you give yourself, it's easy to give other things. It's easy to give further gifts. Once you give yourself, the rest is pretty easy. These wise men had already given their time. They'd already given their agenda. They'd already given up some plans. They'd already given up their finances and and, and financing this trip, this extended journey. They'd already given up themselves in search for the one born king of the Jews. And so the gold and the frankincense and the myrrh, that was easy. Why? Because they'd already given themselves in worship to the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, the greatest gift they gave that day was not the three we often think about. The gold and the frankincense and the myrrh. And always think about growing up and and participating in the Christmas plays. And I remember the, the vessels we used to use that represented that as I was growing up. And we see that portrayed in our nativity scenes. But that, that wasn't the greatest gift that day. The greatest gift they gave that day was themselves. They fell down and worshipped Him. Now maybe you're thinking today, the children just reminded us that we're celebrating the birth of the Lord Jesus. And maybe you're thinking, what does Jesus want from me? I mean, it's His birthday we're celebrating. A lot of people forget that. But it's His birthday we're celebrating. And so what does Jesus want from you? What does He want from me? Well, beloved, 
Some might be here thinking, well, you know, I gave extra. I gave sacrificially to Lottie Moon. And uh, praise the Lord for that. Maybe you say, I put something extra in the offering today as a gift for Jesus' birthday. Maybe you say, listen, I've given some time. I've gone and I've I've served others. I've helped a needy family. I've done different things and try to to give a gift to the Lord. And beloved, that's all wonderful and and it's awesome. And it should be done as an act of worship. And I praise the Lord on your behalf that you've done those things. But I want you to hear this. What he really wants for his birthday, what he really wants for Christmas is this. He wants you. He wants you. You say, well, wait, wait a minute. He, what do you mean he wants you? Well, he wants you. He wants your heart. He wants your love. He wants your devotion. He wants you to come and adore him. He wants you to come and worship. You see, he is the God man. Perfect God, perfect man, joined in the flesh. And He is worthy of our worship. 1 Corinthians 10.31, a familiar verse around here. Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Listen to Revelation 5.12, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who is slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. He wants you. You see, these wise men, they came to worship. Now, is that why you came today? Did you come today to worship? People go to church for all sorts of reasons. When you're young, you don't have much choice, right? You go to church because mom and dad says you're going to church. And some people have said that they, growing up, they had a drug problem. They got drugged to church Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night. That's a good drug problem to have. Praise the Lord. I'm glad that I was in church. I've got a VBS certificate over at the, the house of when I was a baby in vacation. I don't remember what we studied that year, but I, I was there. And I praise the Lord for that. And I'm glad that moms and dads bring their boys and girls. And that's right. I'm glad they're here. And so maybe you don't have a choice. Maybe you're here today because it's Christmas time and your family invited you. Maybe you're here today because the children were singing. Whatever the reason may be. But listen, the ultimate reason you're here or should be is to worship, period. To worship. We're here to adore Him. These wise men came to worship. Is that why you're here today? Is that the way you live your life? Is your life lived in a a manner of worship? Somebody has said it this way. Worship is the process of surrendering our entire life into God's hands. Our entire life. Everything we can and everything we do can and should be an act of worship. Everything. That's why it says, whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatever ye do, do all to the glory of God. He says worship isn't simply one area of your life. It is your life. It's your whole life. And that's why I say today, what does Jesus want? He wants you. He wants your heart. He wants your devotion. He wants your love. He wants you to come and adore Him. Louis Giglio said it this way, Worship is our response, both personal and corporate. Corporate is what we're doing today, corporate worship. Worship is our response, both personal and corporate, to God for who He is and what He has done. Expressed in and by the things we say and the way we live. Now, beloved, the only way you can ever begin to worship God is to know God in the first place. 
As one old preacher mentioned, you cannot really and fully enjoy Christmas until you can look into the Father's face and tell Him you've received His Christmas gift. You see, God has a Christmas gift for you. His name is Jesus Christ. He's the Savior. Perfect God. Come in the flesh. Lived a sinless, perfect life. Voluntarily laid down His life on an old rugged cross. Was beaten and bruised and, and battered beyond we can imagine. And He was raised between heaven and earth and, and bled and died and was buried for you and for me. Praise the Lord. On the third day, He arose again victorious. And He conquered death, hell, and the grave. And He lives forevermore. And He's coming again. He's the King of kings and Lord of lords. He's Emmanuel. He's the Savior. And God is very clear in saying, I so love you. I've given my only begotten Son that if you believe in Him, you will not perish, but have everlasting life. And so I ask you today, have you received God's Christmas gift to you? Have you received the Lord Jesus Christ? You have to receive Him. I can't receive Him for you. Your mother, father, grandmother, grandfather, nobody else can receive Christ. You must personally place your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Turn from your sin to Christ. And so, beloved, if you're here today and you've never received the Lord Jesus, would you please receive God's gift today? It's yours for the taking. It's yours for the asking. It's free. It wasn't cheap. It cost God His very own Son. Jesus laid down His life for you. But it's free. And the Bible says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so, you can have God's gift today. And I urge you and plead with you, receive Christ today. Now, what can we give the Lord for all that He is and all that He's given to us. Well, as I've already mentioned, we can give Him ourselves. Our worship and our adoration. Notice the, the verse there in that song, if you still have your hymnal open. Yea, Lord, we greet Thee. Born this happy moment. Jesus, to Thee be all glory given. Word of the Father... Now in flesh appearing. O come, let us adore Him. O come, let us adore Him. O come, let us adore Him, Christ the Lord. You see, beloved, I've got great news today. I need to remind you of this. Jesus is no longer a baby in a manger. He's no longer a suffering Savior on a cross. He's no longer a corpse in a tomb. He is risen. He's alive. He's alive forevermore and He's coming again. And He's worthy of our worship and praise. You know, as I studied this past week, I was reading part of a book by Dan Schaefer called In Search of the Real Spirit of Christmas. And as I was reading about a portion on the wise men, Dan brought up some things I had never thought about before. I want to share them with you. He said, whatever we try to give to God, no matter how great will always be less than what He gives us. Now, now, I knew that. I'd learned that. But then He went on to show how that's the case with the wise men. This is why I'd never thought about it before. Listen. The Magi, the wise men, had traveled far to see Him. Yet Jesus had traveled from heaven to find them. At great personal sacrifice, they made their journey. Yet how much more had Jesus sacrificed to leave His glory 
his eternal dwelling place and take upon himself the nature of man, humbling himself before his creation just to greet them in that tiny house. Their sacrifices, which must have seemed so great at the time, were infinitely smaller than the one he had already made to humble himself before them. And they had no idea how much more he would sacrifice for them before his life was over. To have seen the sign in the eastern sky and wondered about its meaning and import was one thing. But to undertake a difficult search to find this special person was quite another. They not only saw the sign, and surely they were not alone in seeing it, but they responded to it. As a result, they were, they were rewarded with joy and an opportunity to worship at His feet. What greater gift can we bring to Christ than our commitment to find Him no matter the cost? And when we found Him, to worship Him. I'd never thought about that. They made this long journey, yet Jesus came from glory. They gave their gifts, but look at what Jesus gave. No matter what we try to give the Lord, no matter how great the gift, He always gives more. He always gives greater. I was trying to remind my boys the other day, you can never outgive God. Because no matter what you give, He's already given us greater and greater and greater, more than we can even ask or imagine. He is a great giver. And so I say today, beloved, on this Christmas Sunday, Oh, come all ye faithful. Joyful and triumphant. Oh, come ye, oh, come ye to Bethlehem. Come and behold Him, born the King of angels. Oh, come, let us adore Him. Oh, come, let us adore Him. Oh, come, let us adore Him. Christ the Lord. Christ our Lord. Come and adore Him. Now, Father... It is with a grateful heart that we bow in your presence again today. We thank you for these wise men and the example that they are to us. And as been noted many times, Lord, wise men and women still seek the Lord Jesus. Lord, we seek you only because you first sought us. Now, I pray, Lord, as we have the conclusion of this service. If anyone is here who's never received your Christmas gift, salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray today as we sing this great hymn that they would come and allow someone to take a Bible and sit down with them and lead them to Jesus Christ. And then, Father, I pray for those of us who know you, Perhaps this Christmas season has become so busy, so harried, that we, we've ignored Jesus. We've pushed Him to the side. The very one whom we're celebrating, we've ignored. Forgive us, O oh Father. Father, I pray that there are those today who you so lead would come and maybe afresh and anew give their life, their all, to the Lord Jesus and say, here I am. I want to give you my heart, my life, my adoration, my praise, my attention. I want to come and adore you. I want to come and worship. And so, Lord, I pray that you bless this invitation. That you guide it, that you direct. You give courage for people to step out. 
and come as you lead them today. Holy Spirit, have your will and your way in this service, this moment I pray, in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. If you still have that hymn open, we're going to sing it. If not, it's number 89. Beloved, again, the invitation is very simple. If you need to be saved today, here's what I ask you to do. When we start singing, you just step out and come meet me here. I'm not going to call attention. not going to stop the service. It's going to take you and place you with someone who loves Jesus and loves you and will take a Bible and share Christ with you. And then I'm talking to those of you who already know Jesus. Maybe today God the Holy Spirit has touched you and, and put His finger on something in your life. You need to come today and maybe spend some time with the Lord. Give your life afresh and anew to Him. And just come and worship a little bit at the altar as you praise Him. I invite you to come. We're going to stand and sing. You come as we begin singing number 89. Oh, come all ye faithful. Let's stand and sing number 89. Thank you.